Today's episode is sponsored by Alone in the Dark. The highly anticipated new reimagination by Pieces Interactive and THQ Nordic. Play as Edward Carnby or Emily Hartwood to explore your environments, fight monsters, solve puzzles, and uncover the true secret of Dorsetto Manor. Our favorite heroes are brought to life by Hollywood stars Jodie Comer of Killing Eve and David Harbour of Stranger Things, who lend not only their voices, but their appearance and their formidable acting skills to the brave protagonists. Experience a deep psychological story that goes beyond the realms of the imaginable, all dreamed up by Mikhail Hedberg, cult horror writer of Soma and Amnesia. The team at Pieces Interactive is supported by monster designer and legendary Guillermo del Toro collaborator Guy Davis, as well as doom jazz legend Jason Conan, who provides his eerie and haunting melodies for the right atmosphere. Alone in the Dark is available March 20th on PS5, Xbox Series XS, and PC. Pre-order your copy now and escape into the dark. Welcome to Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Knight, along with Simon. We got David. What up, Spook Kids? Spook Kids? Also known as Nightly. Freddy is still not here. However, hopefully he'll be back around the March time frame. Um, Y'all may have heard that, uh, unfortunately, his father did pass um, in the midst of us recording this season. So... Our hearts do go out to him, and it's uh, it really fucking sucks. But thank you all so much who have participated in funding his GoFundMe and um, just trying to help wherever you can and just being there and just checking in on him on Twitter and things like that. That alone goes so far, and we cannot thank you enough for doing that. So thank you all for just being there for Freddie. And um, when he comes back to the show... Obviously, it's going to be an extremely warm welcome to have him back, but uh, we look forward to that day to come. Can't wait to have you back, Freddy. Definitely cannot. But we are still a group of knights with an absolute love for film and a passion for horror. This is a podcast that takes a different horror film to break down discuss the ultimate question. Why horror? So with the lights, sit back and let the darkness envelope you. If you like that and one extra horror-related content, head over to patreon.com slash nightlightpod. That's night with a what? Okay. Yeah. You know, we got a really, really nice uh, review today. Oh, wow. A uh, very nice review from from a, uh, a kind lad over in Ireland. Oh, wow. Yes. Um, I, I'm blanking out on the username, but shout out to you, dude, because that honestly made my fucking day. Uh, it, it was the most kindest thing I've ever read about our show. <laughs> oh, that's awesome to hear. <laughs> so it was great. So thank you so much for doing that, for writing that review and um, calling our show brilliant. That that was that was really great. So thank you so much for that. I, I, I honestly, like, seriously, thank that you. Was fucking awesome. Uh, but we are continuing our the new Black Month with none other than. A shout out to our sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> Throw them for a loop. By our sponsors, I mean our patrons over at patreon.com slash nightlightpod. That's night with a K. Frank, Kit, Kristen, Laura, Bragalock, Spencer, Lizzie, 
Josh, Vaughn, Alexis, Johnny, Layla, Eric, Kelly, Daniel, Cheyenne, Carrie, Stu, Anna, Stephanie, Calvin, Drew, also known as the Silent Knight, also known as a podcast manager, Scary Stuff Podcast, Patrick, uh, Willow, Jessica, Jared, Jasmine, Chantal, Rio, Jesse, Joe, Kaylee, Rob, and last but certainly not least, Freddie. Thank you all so much for continuing to support the show. You may have noticed some things have changed on there, and one thing that I can mention officially now. If you... By all means, have I ever thought about supporting us financially or wanting to see what our Patreon has to offer? You can do that now by testing it out with a seven-day trial on our Torch tier, which is our $5 tier, um, and you can test it out. If you like what you what you get there, no ads, you get an extra show. We're working on um, funding a new show as well called The Night Ritual, um, and you just get a lot of fun stuff over there. We give gifts and things like that every so often when we can and, and whatnot. So by all means, if you feel like you just want to check it out, see what, what's kind of going on over there or seeing what you're missing, whatever, um, by all means, go ahead and do so. I mean, it, it's seven days. Give it a shot. Try it for a week. And if you're not a fan, go ahead and just end it on off. If you are a fan, hey, feel free to go ahead and choose your official patronage. So thank you. But the film that we are going to be covering tonight is none other than Barbarian. (laughs) First and foremost, (laughs) David, thoughts? Um, I can't believe I'm going to say this. I think this is a perfect horror film. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. I think this movie is perfect. Yes. Man. And I think, okay, so I want to say I think going into this blind with no expectations is the best thing you can do. Oh, hands down. That was my experience. I saw this in theaters um, back when it was in theaters. That was the first time I watched it. This is the second time for the recording. And... Man, how was your theater experience? You know what? My theater was, they might as well not have been there because (laughs) I was so immersed with the movie. I watched it with Bella and we were just in it, right? Yeah. And um, like when I think back to watching it, it feels like the the theater was empty. So no one was really reacting, right? And I like when when people react. Me too. Uh, My my theater was like fucking lively for this movie. It was great. It was great. It was a lot of fun. Um. Going into this blind and having the expectations you do as someone is that's living in the 2020s, right? This movie knows how to play with your expectations and what um, you're aware of in like social relationships, and it plays with that, right? And it, and watching it a second time, I realized how well written all these characters are. Truly, um, and it's kind of funny, you know. Um, Bear with me here. I feel like the the first 45 minutes, at least the first 20 to 30 minutes, and I, I think it's not too much of a stretch, really like plays out like a rom-com. Yeah, fair. But, fair, yeah. fair. And I think the advertisements or posters or something originally did I, depict this almost like a rom-com. Yeah, there, there were... There were uh, it was interesting. There there were like certain things that, that depicted this film of what it wasn't, 
I guess what it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> um, I remember watching the trailer of this and I thought the trailer was just whatever. Okay. I was just like, this looks fine. Yeah. Like this, like this doesn't look like it's going to blow my socks off or anything. I got a shit ton of PR for this and I just ignored it. Oh, wow. And okay. then all of <laughs> like all of like horror Twitter went nuts for this movie. And I was like, Rightfully fuck. So. I was like, I fucked up. Like, I should I should have watched this movie whenever as soon as I could. Yeah. Um. And I did. I messed up. I, I watched this movie not open in weekend, but maybe two weekends after that. Okay. And it was, it was great. Yeah. It like I I love this movie. This movie was my third uh, in my top fifteen of last year. This was number three for okay. me. All right. Um. And saying a lot. Goddamn. Like, yeah. Goddamn. This movie is so much fun. It is fun it's intriguing it really messes with you it's scary yeah um and the the first 45 minutes are so entertaining because right we we my favorite yeah we are you know we're following tess who is a woman of color and then we're introduced to keith who is a white man and at least for my one I view this movie. I was Radar's terrified of off. Keith, right? Yeah, I was like, something's off. And how perfect to have Pennywise, Pennywise yeah, <laughs> like, play this guy. <laughs> um, and I want to go more into the dynamics of contrasting like the three white men that we have in this movie and yeah. like, kind of comparing them. But um, yeah, it, it was funny watching it a second time, knowing that Keith was a pretty solid guy from what we got to see. All right. And um, how different my perspective was of Knowing him that. yeah that i had that validation right and right. i remember the very first time watching it i did not trust this man <laughs> i i it was i was afraid of him right yeah. and the second time around it felt like a rom-com like it felt like a really sweet story right and it is kind of like something that you would see in like an early 2000s rom-com but today like that shit is creepy yeah to be in this scenario so um that's why I got to give credit to like the writing in this movie. It's it's just amazing. I agree. Um, it, it's you know what's crazy though. The thing is, this is a movie that shouldn't have been made. Oh yeah. Like it's fucking nuts that this movie was made. Yeah. And played in theaters. Like this is unheard of for this particular type of horror. Yeah. Like it it is on paper. This movie shouldn't have worked. <laughs> like, I'm sure people were reading the script and just like, what the fuck is, what is going on? Yeah. Like, what is, what is happening in this movie? There's someone who lives in this cave system inside of this house. And that's an Airbnb. Is, right. That's yeah. an Airbnb that's in a fucked up neighborhood in yeah. Michigan. By the way, that trope needs to just stop. Like, <laughs> come on, relax. Uh, we've all seen Eight Mile. Um, but <laughs> like, it's it's crazy because it's it's like such an interesting concept that on paper it shouldn't have worked. On like when you describe this movie to someone, if you try to give away no spoilers, it will almost feel like a don't breathe knockoff. Mm-hmm. But the way that this movie plays, and someone said it said it beautifully in an article about this film. The way this movie plays, it's David Fincher above the house, like in the actual house. Mm-hmm. And underneath the house, it's Sam Raimi. Mm. And I'm like, that 
That's exactly what this movie is. Yeah. This movie is a David Fincher film in the beginning portions of this movie. And in that second half of this movie, this movie is a Sam Raimi, evil, dead, bonkers, yeah. fucked up ride. Wow. Like, <laughs> That's a way to put it. Yeah. Like it just, it made so much sense when they said it that way because- that's what this movie is like this movie is a, a very hard sell mm-hmm. but i'm glad that craig zegger is that his name i think that's his name no zach Kreger, um was able to um sell this movie like it, it it's nuts that this movie was made yeah like it, it's just to me that's unbelievable and it worked inside of box offices and things like that. So I'm very excited to see what else he does. I know he was in uh, the whitest kids, you know, or something like that. I've never seen that I before. Seen um, so like for, for me, he was very new mm-hmm. for me. Like I was just thought, Oh, breakout director. Cool. Um, but, but what a film to break out on. My goodness. Damn. Yeah. Damn. Like, Oh my God. And speaking of, Let's just jump into this shit. Let's do it. <laughs> Man, Barbarian. Directed by Zach Kreger, released September 9th, 2022, with a runtime of one hour and 42 minutes, a budget of $4 million. What? Yeah. That low of a budget? That's crazy. That's nuts, the amount of like detail in this movie that he was able to place with mm-hmm. that amount of budget. Yeah. That's crazy. A box office of 40, $45.4 million and a rating of 92%, or yeah, a rating of 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. Excuse me. I'm glad that the Rotten Tomatoes score also reflects like how we feel about it. Like, I oh, feel like yeah. a lot of times it doesn't really line up and we kind of have an issue with like the percentages uh, that movies get. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Like, this definitely deserved the rating that it got. And I, I, I feel very content that this amount of people enjoyed this long, movie for sure. As long as it's in the 90s, I think that's very fitting for this movie. Agreed. Very much agreed. We open to the sound of thunder and rain with the most unsettling score as our protagonist Tess pulls up to her Airbnb. The loud wails coming to halt as the camera goes through the glass into the car. First off, fuck. <laughs> Hell. That was stylish as shit. Yep. Like, that was so cool to me. And I was just like, Damn, this is already shot extremely well. Yeah, the whole movie is. Like, wow. Uh, you know, we we had two kind of breakout hits, right, of last year. Um, we had this one and we had Smile. Mm-hmm. Smile was obviously the, the more of the breakout hit because Smile just went viral. Um, and did you have a chance to see Smile? No. You haven't seen that one yet? Okay. Uh, so I won't, I won't spoil it, but we already covered it on the, on the podcast. But with Smile, uh, I think that one made... That was the highest grossing horror film of last year. Wow. And it's crazy because we had two original horror films mm-hmm. that technically three, if you want to include Nope, um, that had this kind of tier that a lot of other horror films were kind of getting to and starting to meet and things like that. And you just, it, it to me, was a fucking unprecedented year mm-hmm. of what horror did in the year 2022. Mm-hmm. Like, it damn near did something that felt impossible. Fucking hell. Anyway, Tess repeating the code to the lockbox being 8831, ignoring a call from someone named Marcus. And you can even see the code is incorrect as she says 8831. It's yeah. actually 8331. Um, I was very curious on who the fuck Marcus was. 
(laughs) (laughs) After a deep sigh, she gathers her things to get out and trek through the rain as she repeats what she believes to be the code to the lockbox. Pushing it in, the box not opening, she pulls out her phone, ignoring Marcus's call again and getting the correct code. Pushing it in and the box opening up, but no key inside. Annoyed, she pulls on the door, but it's locked. She decides to call the property manager, but they aren't available. Frustrated, but she leaves them a message letting them know that let them know what the situation is. After hanging up the phone, she notices the dark and the dark and rundown neighborhood. She decides to get back into her car. The light in the house comes on. Tess heads back to the door, ringing the doorbell and peeking inside the house through the window. A man named Keith opens the door to uh, opens. Excuse me. Um, man named Keith turns on the light and then proceeds to open the door. Tired, he questions her with a yeah. <laughs> Confused, Tess asked who he is. He returns the question back to her, which, valid. <laughs> she confirms the address. Not entirely sure, he guesses that he guesses that it is. She questions him. He irritatedly responds that he doesn't live there and he's renting the place. She claims that she's renting this place, booking it on Airbnb a month ago. He rebuttals that he booked it on HomeAway, wondering if, if she has the right place. She pulls out her phone, telling him that this is the address and her code worked for the lockbox, demanding that she is supposed to be in there. He wonders if she tried calling anyone, but nobody answered. He questions if she has the correct date. She hands him her phone uh, to show him the confirmation. Keith confirms that it's correct. Handing it back to her, Tess wonders what she's supposed to do. He's not sure. Offering her to come inside so so they can call the property managers. At first, a little hesitant, but she heads inside. The way that this presents itself and how it's shot, especially the moment he states, why don't you come inside? And he... Moves to the side and you just see the shot of him kind of dimming in light. Yeah. And that eeriness of the door being open. It was and, scary. Yeah. That dude. was fucking scary. And it's, I love w- having watched this two times and, and feeling that perspective shift, right? The first time I watched this, I was like, this guy is. It's a fucking crook. Is, yeah, he's a him? crook. He's a con artist. Like he, <laughs> like, he. I thought he was fucking just. I thought he was living in there. Yeah. Like I, I, I didn't I know was like, what the fuck was going on. This is he's renting out his own place and he's luring people to come in and to do who knows what. And uh, yeah, no, completely just, wrong. Just an awkward boy. Yeah, <laughs> but like it really plays on the fact that he's just a white man, right? And, yeah. Um, you just, know, there's a media, uh, like philosophy called the big mean world and the more you consume news the scarier the world becomes right right yeah and granted like we do see a lot about what white men are doing out there like some white men that are like committing crimes so um when you when you keep getting fed that those facts um it gets really scary and and this movie really plays on that and yeah um it fucks with you it does right but, it really does. <laughs> but we come to learn that Keith is not a bad guy from what we know. Yeah. And um, it's crazy how our preconceived notions of how he looks really determines how we approach what he's offering and what he's right. saying. And, and they talk about this later on when they're having wine. So Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and it, it's interesting, too, because we'll get to a moment when she's sitting in the in the house that also made me fucking red flags again for myself. But, uh, oh, by the way, title card after all this, everyone. <laughs> uh, but, like... Uh, Good title card. A great title card. It was That was a really cool title card. But got the fucking roaches and shit. Um, but it, there's a moment that happens in, in here when she's sitting on the couch that is so uncomfortable to me. And it's very quick, but it made me so uncomfortable and so icky. And I had to ask... Uh, I had to ask Kathleen and I was like, if 
if you were to just meet me in a house for the first time and then I, it's a fucked up situation such as this one. She didn't watch this whole movie with me, but uh, she did watch this part. And uh, I was like, would you, would you be okay with me saying your name is cute? Oh yeah. And she was like, no, no, (laughs) like no. Well, so, okay. I'm glad that you brought that up. Right. Okay. So we, we had to like, Harping on the fact that like Tess um, has to, and she states it in the movie that she needs to be more aware right. of her safety because she is a woman, right? Right. Uh, and that's the sad reality of the 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 lives we live in right now. Um, and it's interesting, right? Because when that that moment happened, when he says, "Oh, that's a pretty name," it's uh, just like not the time. It, yeah, not, not the, the time. time, right? And it <laughs> leans into. If, for a first time watcher, like this is weird yeah. and creepy and shit's going to go real bad real soon. Oh my God. But you know, you really think about it. Like if you switch the gender of Keith, right? Yeah. And let's say they're both women. Does it come off as creepy then? Right? Fair. Yeah. Fair so point. it's a very, very it's interesting. interesting. And, and that's why I'm, I'm saying this movie's written so well. It really plays into um, how we view certain people in our current like social lenses and um and again like that's a that's a nice thing to say right yeah but if a man is saying it to a woman in in wrong timing right especially in this context exactly it's like it's weird oh no it's it's a red flag like you said right yeah she it's like that's why she didn't even fucking respond she's like Things yeah. like what the fuck, dude. Okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But like, even watching it a second time, I was like, "Ooh, no." Yeah, like it, it's it's an eerie feeling, but for sure. Yeah, but as a viewer that has seen it already and already been like omniscient of like what's gonna happen, it's like, right? Oh, he means well by it. He has good intent. Right? He, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> so, he genuinely probably thought her name was pretty. Yeah, like, oh, that's a pretty and, name. And he, and he just mentioned it. Yeah. Uh, it, it, very true. Very and we don't true. even know if like he's straight or anything, right? No, like, we don't. Yeah. yeah, we we have no clue. I mean, we could assume that he likes her. What the the innuendos that happens later yeah yeah but like uh yeah it's it's true though like we we don't um it, it's just it's it's interesting it's, it's it's like this tiktok that i've seen where uh they mentioned that no matter how much you tell your significant other that's a woman um that she's pretty you can tell her every single day that shit's not gonna matter until a woman says it to her <laughs> <laughs> until a woman says it to her that's when that matters <laughs> then she's fucking gorgeous <laughs> Tess glances around the room for a moment before asking if she could uh, uh use the bathroom he gives her uh, he gives her directions on where it is. Before she goes, she asks uh, to see his reservation confirmation. Slightly offended, he questions if she thinks that he's some kind of weirdo to break in and sleep there. She just stares at him like, okay, are you? Like, <laughs> before he agrees to look for his phone to show her. She continues down the hallway, searching for the bathroom, quickly glancing inside the bedroom before uh, finding it. Liking herself inside, staring at herself in the mirror, um, sighing. While using the bathroom, she looks around and notices that he has toiletries and a toothbrush there, which is on the floor. Ew. Um, (laughs) She comes back into the room, but Keith isn't there. Surveying the room a bit before he comes up uh, behind her, startling her with his phone. He apologizes, showing her his reservation as well. She's annoyed, handing his phone back. He tries to lighten the situation thinking that he could possibly have a different number. He uh, starts sharing the number that, sh- that she has, um, which 
same number. Keith chuckles that he doesn't know, he doesn't know what the protocol is for something like this. Tess thinks that she will just have to find something else. This is like one of my biggest fears too, like me going into an Airbnb that's already booked. And I'm just like, oh. I've never uh that's never come to mind for me before. Oh, dude, when I was in Hawaii, like uh, that was one of my, like, it, it was definitely in the back of my head. I was like, what if someone's already here? Yeah. Like, what do I do? Like, like <laughs> what if someone's already here? So I'm glad, like, I'm not the only one who kind of had this innate fear. That's so interesting because for me, being there. the fear is, like, the owner, like, sneaking in at night or, like, That's also another fear of mine. Like, oh, yeah. Having have, like, cameras, like, cameras or, and shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not a fan of that. I, I don't like Airbnbs, but I know they also do that weird shit at hotels, too. Yeah, so it's it's interesting. Yeah, man, this is a whole different conversation, but like for sure, yeah, <laughs> Airbnbs, hotels. Like, I want to stay in Airbnb, but like, there's always that anxiety there. That's like, what if something weird is yeah. it goes down? Someone shows up, or I mean, I've heard these fucking crazy stories of obviously like sex trafficking is a very real thing that's yes. that's happening right now, and it's it's a fucking like epidemic that's happening in the U.S. Um, it's happening all over the world, Which but is in- it insane because it's like. It's it's such a huge, huge, scary, scary issue. But it's yeah. like no one you never it. like see you any see inklings shit. or signs of it. Right, it happens like, in the shadows. Exactly, and like you know, uh, you hear stories about people. We're slightly off tangent, but we'll we'll bring it back. But like uh, you hear stories of people who pay off like busboys so they can have a master key to hotel rooms oh my god and like fucking sneak in like women's rooms and shit That's like so scary. like that is so terrifying and it's just oh, god damn like yeah it's it's crazy and i just I, I i seriously hate the fact that women have to live in like constant fear yeah and bring it back to like tessa's character right she is on guard because 100 on edge as a woman she does have to worry about these sorts of right. things and yeah. protecting herself and it and it sucks because she's in a situation where she's like well she, what she's are you very vulnerable yeah and what do you do do you stay out in the rain or like uh, like right it, at that point what do you right? do like, yeah what do you do like do you go to i think i probably would have went to a hotel lobby and be like hey, yeah like i'll fucking wait until the room's ready yeah, i'll just here. sleep in the hotel lobby yeah i don't think i would have made the same choices that she did um yeah. but you know. Well, there's a few choices in this movie that she makes that aren't great. And that's one of the main complaints of the film. <laughs> well, you know what? I think the choices, we'll get back to the, we'll get back the to story. It. But really quick, I think the choices that she makes makes for such a well-written character because she is a character that demonstrates that she has faith in humanity. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. She is literally the epitome of faith in humanity. Yeah. <laughs> As she is walking toward the door, he mentions that he feels bad, wondering what she is going to do. She claims that she is going to make some calls. Creepily considering her safety, he comments about the neighborhood being bad, not thinking it not thinking it to be a good idea for her to sit out there in her car so late at night, before offering her to just stay inside the house, quote, where it is dry and there's a lock on the door, end quote. Yeah, but... You made that sound creepier. Tess stays in the house, scanning Google for another place to stay. Keith comes back into the room, handing her the Wi-Fi information. They finally introduce themselves to each other, Keith commenting about her name being pretty. (laughs) Still a little on guard, but she decides to thank him. He offers her some tea, some wine or nuts. Um, Okay. (laughs) Uh, This is is funny because, like, watching it the second time, he's just fucking awkward. 
<laughs> like he's just like like it's, it's an, an awkward, awkward white boy. Exactly. It's an awkward situation. He's an awkward dude and he's just like I'm trying to just lighten up the mood with anything. Like you you yeah. want something to drink? I'm just tr- he's trying to be hospitable. Yeah, I don't even think he's all that awkward. He's just uh He's a little dweeby, but he's trying to be sweet. And right. He's trying to, he's like, trying to be hospitable yeah. in this fucked up situation that she's in when all of, all she is is just on guard. Yeah. And we're making the same assumptions that she's making. Exactly. She repeatedly tells him that he, she's okay after he shares that he's going to have some tea and will just make her a cup. Um, another thing, right? I'm not too sure if you've seen A24's Men. Um, it was the uh, Alex Garland movie. No, I haven't seen it. Um it's a very similar situation such as this one. Got it. Where there is the, uh, she rents an Airbnb for like a weekend or something like that um, at a cottage in England. And the uh, uh, the landowner is there and he's trying to be extremely hospitable. And he's like, he's like overly nice kind of guy. And, yeah. and it's, Interesting. Well, I, I feel I, like this movie did it way better. Okay, but, yeah. that's good to hear. Yeah. Um, yeah, the externalization of uh, like all you're seeing and hearing is him offering to make her tea. Right. You see him go off to the side, comes back with tea, and we have assumptions, right? Like, what you put in that tea? Exactly. <laughs> what kind and, of tea is this? And Tess is thinking the same thing, and and it's great because I feel like we're not really uh, gifted with. Um, on guard protagonist a lot of times. I mean, we yeah. are, but like in, in, in this realm of this topic, right? Yeah. Um, th- they are, she feels real. She's just as aware of like the disastrous things that can happen to people in the world just as much as we should be as well. Right. Um, so Definitely. this is, this whole, whole beginning of this movie is so just expertly done. Absolutely. She hops on the phone with a hotel asking about any available rooms for tonight. They don't, and she hangs up. Keith comes back into the room letting her know that there's a medical convention in in town, thinking that she might not be able to get a room tonight. Great. She feels defeated, so he proposes that she just stays there. She denies, as he explains that she can take the, she could stay in the room while he sleeps on the couch. She groans that she can't believe this, um, as he doesn't know of any other solutions. She tell, she then tells him that she can take the couch, but he doesn't allow her because she quote, quote can call him whatever she wants, but there's no way he's going to sleep in a bedroom while a young lady sleeps on the couch. End quote, finding it not to be up for discussion. She comments that she has a thing about clean sheets. Also understandable. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Interesting line that that he delivers there. But once again, I just feel like this is a part of Keith's character. Yeah. Like, I mean, he he just like probably raised with his mom in mind and things like that. Like, you know, like his mom probably letting him know, like, like you always treat a lady like with respect and so on and so forth. And, and this is, where things can get a little creepier and untrustworthy yeah. and things like that as well. But it, yeah, it's, it's things we've seen in other stories before. Right. And it, it, it creates room for more assumptions to be made. Um, but I think the follow-up of him just like washing the sheets is yeah. kind of showing, showing a sign he's of just like, okay, yeah, he's a nice guy. Right. But then yeah. also it's like, you're still on guard. Right. Right. Yeah. I love, I, I love what, comes next out of this quick cut to the sheets being cleaned in the washer tess is sitting on the couch her tea still um on the counter keith comes back into the house with her luggage she springs up from the couch letting him know that he didn't have to do that he continues insisting adding that he has a raincoat and she doesn't 
Okay. Um, she's about to take her luggage in, uh, uh, to, the, to the room as he insists to take it for her, but she's good. Taking it into the room and locking the door behind her. She finds his wallet on the dresser, taking his New York ID out for, from his wallet and snapping a picture of it before giving it back to him. She heads to the bathroom and cleans herself herself up before bed. Coming out uh, to Keith, sitting at the table with two glasses and a bottle of wine. He comments that the laundry is still washing, nervously asking her to have wine with him, being conscious to not open it while she is showering, noticing that she didn't drink her tea, claiming that he he understands because they don't know each other and the situation is super weird. He catches himself rambling, Tess letting him know that she's good, but he can have some. While opening up the bottle, he believes that she has about an hour left before the bedding is done, wondering um, if she'll make it till then, adding that he looked around for, uh, for clean ones, but couldn't find any. She wonders about him being on the couch without any bedding. He claims that he'll be fine and that he's slept on worse. Which is interesting, knowing his background later. You're just like, well, you probably have. Yeah. Because he's the this collective owner or whatever. Um, she has a seat across from apologizing for the situation. He tells her that she doesn't have to apologize, it not being her fault, and that she uh, she's just as put out as he is. He finally opens the wine, pouring himself a glass, asking if she would like another cup of tea, and she can watch him pour it this time. She tells him that she's okay as he asks her why she's there. Tess shares that she's there on a job interview tomorrow for a research position for a documentary filmmaker. He wonders who the filmmaker is. She tells him Catherine James. He doesn't know who, he doesn't know who she is right away, wondering if she's made anything he's possibly seen. She tells him that he made a film she made a film um about jazz called Blue Easy. He claims to have seen it. She's skeptical as he uh, says it was great, but she believes that he's kidding, feeling like nobody has seen that movie. He gives her the quick synopsis of the film. Tess is, sh- is in shock that he's actually watched the movie. He wonders what Catherine's new film is going to be about. She tells him that it's going to be about the Detroit artists that have come there in the last 10 years and set up collect and creative communities on the quote edge of the where the houses are basically free end quote keith finds that to be cool adding that she should interview him for that because he's one of the founders of a company called the lion tamers her guard is completely at bay at this point as she is familiar and they have something officially in common they should well something else in common (laughs) they share a laugh as she wonders why he's in an airbnb if they have a whole block of houses he expresses that they do but they're looking for a new space him being there for about a week scouring the side this side of town okay my first watch through of this, I did not trust him. No one did. Yeah, okay, I'm glad to hear no it. No <laughs> one fucking did. I definitely didn't trust him. I was like, oh, fuck you, dude. You probably like looked her up or something yeah. like that. Like, so it was a whole it, thing. It felt like a, like a stalker situation and trying to like create this perfect situation because it felt right. too perfect, right? Everything was lining up too well. This all felt like concocted exactly. uh, to, to get her or to trap her i don't even know yeah, but to keep her there yeah um but i'm very surprised that at this point tess is convinced that yeah she's comfy yeah, yeah that she like, can let her guard down yeah i mean him knowing this obscure documentary and him being um, a part of a collective that she's very familiar with um which i also found it was a little plot holy because i was just like maybe she could have just I, I like i played in my head like she could have just been on edge if she was like super familiar with this like company like i feel like she would have known who the founders at least were maybe um but like yeah i I don't know like it just felt like if i were to go to a company or something like that um like 
I wouldn't know everything about them, but if I was a fan of that company, I would probably know who the founder is or one of them. I, I think it, it depends on the person, right? Because I think yeah. there are a lot of people that may like absorb content or whatever it may be and That's not true. know specific names. Um, but I found this to be very believable um, because I feel like um, you you kind of do see instances of like fans kind of kind of I guess it, it it seems realistic to me for like a fan of, of something to let their guard down once they realize like oh this is somebody right right yeah like you don't know them yeah you like, still don't know them but like oh this is someone who's relevant to society or whatever exactly <laughs> and it it's it's interesting to me that she lets her guard down at that point because like I mean how many times have we heard like people of fame do shitty things right so cough uh, cough army hammer <laughs> so yeah I, I just I find it fascinating of like the shift um, but I guess she just thinks like it's so specific that maybe it's like this feels real this feels like it's enough yeah that's fair of credentials provided to like believe that this is a real situation that's happening that's fair like I, I, I can believe that for sure yeah their conversation has moved to the couch with more wine, um, and they both became even more comfortable with each other. Tess explains that, quote, men get to blast their way through life making messes and girls have to be careful. True. <laughs> um, he asked her to elaborate. She explains their current situation, but if roles were reversed, arguing that she wouldn't have let him in. But even if she did, he would have just marched on in. He defends that she did that. As she explains, um, it, it's because she uh, had to, but it was scary for her. He chuckles if he looks like some kind of monster, which I felt like was a great Pennywise nod yeah, here. <laughs> this I mean, technically great. you do. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's, uh, technically you, you are. Um, uh, it, it is, yeah, it's so fascinating. Um, she claims that that isn't her point, and he claims that he, he gets it, knowing that there are a lot of bad dudes out there. He shares his piece of advice to keep going after um, what you what you want, no matter if you get your heart ripped out again. She questions why is it uh, the girls that always have to get their hearts ripped out. He softly shares that girls can rip too. <laughs> like how he said, he's like, oh. Girls, Girls could rip. rip. <laughs> <laughs> Guts of them cutely making the bed together like a brand new couple laughing and shit as they fix the duvet. He gets the duvet inside the cover as she laughs about him being out of breath. They tuck it in um, and are good to go before they they awkwardly and flirtatiously stare at each other for a little bit. He thanks her for the evening, them both agreeing that they liked it before Keith cuts the tension for him to go back to the couch. He closes the door behind himself and she doesn't lock it. Instead, she smiles and falls into bed. Later that night, her door creaks open as she's asleep. <gasps> the sound of something sucking um, wakes her up. She shoots straight up, noticing that Keith is on the couch, moaning and whimpering. Tess goes to check check on him, calling out to, calling out to him, continuing to yelp and whimper in his sleep. He doesn't wake up, and she shouts his name a little louder. Walking past as the door all the way in the back of the house creaks shut. She p gets a little closer to him, reaching out, reaching out to him as he softly repeats no. He slightly stops. She places her hand on him, and he springs awake, screaming, scaring her as he's confused and scared, stammering as... Uh, as he asks her uh, what she is doing. 
She nervously explains that her door was open and was making and um, he was making noises, not knowing if he was up. He's still confused about everything, questioning about himself making noises. She apologizes that she is going to let him go back to sleep. He comments that she's scared. She scared the shit out of him. She questions if he opened her door. He raises his voice that he didn't. She heads <laughs> back into the room, locking her door before lying back and back down on uh, on the bed, embarrassed by her actions. Man, great moment. Um watching it a second time right uh keith feels so believable like he, he does he's disoriented he just woke up he was in the middle of a dream obviously um but the first time i watched it i really thought like man this guy's up to something yeah it, it still felt super sus yeah like it was it was definitely like i still felt like i was like, mm, <laughs> like i don't know man i don't know like this which is great yeah. Like, this was the perfect red herring. Yeah, and the fact that, you know, you have Tess, like, peeks over from her bed, and she sees Keith on the couch. It's like, you start questioning, like, well, how quickly can he get back there? And is he just really fast and good at, like, really just decoying here, or is it something else? So, um, great moment, adds a lot of suspense, um, <laughs> and it just, it's great to watch it a second time and just... Kind of look at look at it through the lens of uh, Keith and just him just being confused. Like, what are you doing? Like, well, I, you keep thinking I'm the weird one, but you're being really weird right now. <laughs> yes, uh, very much so. It, it's it's interesting though. Like, it, it's super fascinating because of how weird this situation is in general. It, it, it's just it paints an interesting picture. Yeah. Ultimately, next morning, Tess wakes up, checking her phone, noticing that she's late for her interview. She calls out to Keith, but he's not there. She gets dressed as this as um, excuse me, she gets dressed and is about to head out, finding a note from him, letting her know that he had uh, he had to leave and for her to leave the keys in the lockbox, wishing her luck and that he had a great time uh, with her last night. She smirks at the note before leaving out and locking the key inside the lockbox. Excuse me. Now that it's daylight, she, um, she is getting a better look at the neighborhood that she's staying in, coming across more and more completely run down and abandoned homes. She makes it to, uh, to her destination, smiling as she looks at, at Keith's photo from his ID. I'm fucking so curious on the history of Michigan. Like, obviously more specifically Detroit, but... I was looking it up while I was watching it. Were you? Yeah. Yeah, because like, I, I, you know, I have never thought to question it or look it up until these films yeah um and i ever since i was a kid they've always painted michigan as like this fucking extremely terrible place to be abandoned right right certain areas yeah right and and it's just like you know it's interesting um so like i i'm very curious on it and what did you what did you find when you looked it up like like i i just want to know how did it get to this point yeah, apparently in the 1920s, um, this, like, neighborhood was, like, established, right? And it was, uh, the intent was to create homes for, like, single families that uh, can live in a nice new area um, that's affordable and comfortable with uh, nearby, uh, like, factory jobs, um right? right that makes sense yeah so um motor city exactly so a lot of them are very like, blue collar exactly type of. uh middle white middle class right yeah um and it, i think it hit its peak in the 50s um 50s and 60s maybe and uh around the 
80s, right? As the need for these industrialized factories were no longer needed, the area just didn't adapt to what would come after that. So a lot That's of people crazy. yeah, would lose jobs. People were leaving. Um, population very quickly dropped um, as the disappearance of like white middle class was like becoming smaller. Right. Um, and then you... Shipping off to the Midwest or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then what I read was that uh, eventually it was... Um, black families would come in and there was just increased crime rate from that. Um, and from there, it it was like a centralized hub of just crime, unfortunately, right? Yeah. And um, this movie, I feel like, does a really good job of like speaking on classism, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know all that much more about it, but then it, it eventually, I think after the 80s or like... To around the two th- like nineties and two thousands, it, it got to the point where it's at now, mm-hmm. um, where a lot of homes were being abandoned. Uh, there was no work. Um, again, I I'm probably butchering a lot of this like history. Sure, uh, yeah, but, but I mean, hey, that a lot more than I would have even suspected, and and it, it sounds close to true for sure um next time we do have like an episode about like D- detroit in general like i do want to bring joe mertens mm. on here um because i would love to, to hear his perspective because he's he's he obviously he's lived there his whole life yeah. so or and i don't know about detroit proper but he's lived in michigan and um you know like he always will, would like place little comments and things like that and and i'm sure he's tired of seeing you know, the area he grew up in or the town he grew up in deplaced and depicted like this in film countless yeah. times again. I'm sure it's something that's super exhausting. Like, you know, we, we as San Franciscans, we get a very pretty picture on film for our city um, when we have definitely a way different context. Like San Francisco folk never go downtown. If you're from San Francisco, you don't fucking go downtown. It's just, that's just what it is. Unless you work down there, you don't go downtown. Or unless you live there. <laughs> or unless you live there. Exactly. Yeah. And even then, like you try to figure out ways to have shit outside of that area. Yeah. So yeah. But anyway, Catherine comes in the Golden Gate Bridge is definitely not that close. Uh, Catherine comes into the coffee shop calling out to her. They greet each other. Um, and the interview uh, begins. Seems like it went well. Can't hear shit. They're outside the window. Um, afterwards, she asks Tess where she is staying. Tess shares that she's staying in an Airbnb in Brightmore, which is a, a real neighborhood yeah. that I read as well. Um, Catherine is shocked that she's staying there, telling her that she shouldn't be there. Confused about an Airbnb being in Brightmore, Tess tries to make light of the situation, agreeing about the neighborhood, adding that she tried looking for something else, but there's a convention in town and she uh, has a roommate. Catherine tells her to be careful um, before letting her know that she's excited and will call Tess tomorrow. I thought this was going to be the moment where she'd be like, like, you want to just stay at my house? Like, you know, granted, they also just met each other, but like, fuck. (laughs) I got to say this reveal of Brightmore, like not, not realizing it, like when she first arrives in, in Nightfall, right? And it's dark and the only house lit is the Airbnb that she's saying that you don't really question it at first, right? You just like, it's dark, it's raining. And you you kind of fill in the gaps of that. There's just other houses around. Um, And which is why she looks so shocked. Yeah. And then watching it a second time, right? You hear Keith make statements like, I don't know if you got to look at the neighborhood, but I don't think you should stay out there in your car during the night. Right. And um, just other 
small like moments of dialogue like that and this moment too, right? But like watching it for the first time and seeing that reveal, it was it was so eyebrow raising. It's like, what is going on? This is so Seriously. unsettling. Like it was it literally that Airbnb was the only livable house. Yeah. <laughs> on that block. Yeah. And, it, it, and it's in, you know, you get in a whole different conversation of like gentrification and like right. just uh, it, this movie has a lot to say. And you can go in so many different directions with it and what message you're trying to develop more. And yeah. I think that's why this movie is like so fascinating to me yeah. and why I consider it a perfect horror movie. I agree. And I think the perfect triple feature for this movie um, would be to have us and um, Candyman. 2021, yeah, totally. Nia Costas Candyman. Like I, I feel like these movies, all three of them, um, very much present each other and hold each other up to a to a beautiful flame. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Tess heads back to uh, to the Airbnb while she she's grabbing something out of her car. She notices a man yelling and running toward her, calling her a little girl. She hurries uh, to the house, trying to get inside, but the door is locked. Quickly punching in the code for the key, the man continues running up to her, telling her to come out of that house. She yells for him to go away. Cuts her immediately packing her things and calling the cops, wanting them to uh, send someone, but there aren't any available units at the moment. She continues frantically packing all her shit before looking at herself in the mirror and taking multiple deep breaths. She uses the bathroom, but no toilet paper. She searches around the house for some, but not able to find any, um, and coming across a Coming across the door to the basement, she opens it, turning on the light, finding the toilet paper. She, I wouldn't have looked this hard. Yeah. Like, honestly. you already got your pants on and things like that. I'm like, yep. you know what? Like, it's not that serious. <laughs> not right now. Like, granted, yeah, yeast infections and shit, that's a real thing. Uh, but, like, it's all right. Right now, like we like, we can risk it. You know what I'm saying? Like we can risk it. <laughs> she goes down to grab a roll before the door closes and locks. My soul would have left my body. <laughs> With all of her might, she tries to open the door, but um, accepts defeat. Sitting on the stairs, I'm very curious how the uh, as we come to know later how the uh, woman got up there. Yeah, I thought that too. unless it can lock from the other side. Mm-hmm. I. Maybe it's like, because like I'm thinking like maybe it's like our office door, how we have a button that we can push. Yeah. And it won't lock, but when we push it, it locks. I wonder. I I, I was wondering the same thing when I watched it this time around. Um, maybe she's just so strong. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Uh, she closed that door pretty quietly, though, when yeah, she left. Right. <laughs> so and I like, thought about that too. So I don't think this is the case at all, but it did cross my mind. I was like, what if it was the father that came up, but I don't even think he could walk. Yeah. 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 So, cause if it was the mother, then she was very poised in her movement upstairs. Right. Yeah. Um, But we know that she can go up there. Right. At night. Realizing that she doesn't have her phone and she took Keith's only way, uh, only way of entry into the house, grabbing a paint can to stand, uh, to stand on, she looks outside the basement window, nobody around. She searches for, uh, searches around the room for in, for anything that will possibly get her out of there, coming across a, uh, string sticking out of the wall. The, <laughs> She decides to do uh, the not-so-smart thing and pull it, the string opening up a secret door into another part of the house. She looks at the into the dark abyss of a, of a hallway before saying, nope. <laughs> the, the word for, for horror in 2022, honestly. For real. Because it's like, finally, people are just like, 
No. Not happening. I'm I'm leaving. I'm good. Tess sits back on the stairs with the door um, open before finding a mirror. Her curiosity gets the best of her as she plants the mirror underneath the light to give her a bit of light to explore down the hallway. She finds another door inside there, she, so she decides to enter, becoming swallowed into the darkness. She creeps, up, she creeps up to the door, opening it to another room, turning on the light, finding a camcorder, bloodstained mattress, and a filthy bucket and a bloody handprint on the wall. She panics as she breathes heavily, walking down into the main basement multiple bangs on the door outside outside startles her that was loud though yeah it was, was loud as shit <laughs> she- but i think it's, it's like you know i thought the same thing watching it and i was like well like thinking about like the infrastructure of these homes like i would believe it um but man when she discovered the the secret room i almost questioned if i needed to like when I was in theaters watching this, if I needed to get up and leave, like I, I wondered, like, am I going to be able to watch this movie? Because this shit is terrifying and scary. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I mean, it's, it's, it's wild to think in that in like situations such as what she's like placed in in this in this film. Like, it's just. I also it's a lot. Yeah, it is <laughs> it's a, a lot. stressful moment. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think about what you had mentioned earlier about it seems like this film shouldn't have been made because once you pitch this, hey, this is the movie I want to make. This is what it's about. This is what happens. This is how it happens. I feel like a lot of people wouldn't be willing to endorse or invest in this, and because of those topics, right? Right. It, it's it's really really heavy stuff yeah for sure i mean it's it's a very very interesting situation i mean everything's just really just heavy <laughs> yeah she bangs on the window to get keith's um attention um uh with tears riding down her face she lets him know that uh, she has has the keys but she can't get the window open they work together to get the window open keith comes into the house letting her out of the basement tess is uh, rightfully frantic wanting them to get the fuck out of there she quickly explains about the hidden room inside the basement he tries to calm her down letting her know that she's safe but she doesn't think she is he asks her he asks her um what what she saw down there, she claims that uh, it was some kind of dungeon with a bed, camera, and a bucket. He questions it, wanting to go look for himself. She stops him again, adding that there was a handprint on the wall. He tells her to calm down uh, again, that she isn't making any sense because it is a basement with junk inside. She tells him to uh, to go by himself, but she's fucking, she's fucking done. Which I can't blame her. I'd be out. I would be out. I'd be like, all right, you could go look if you want to. Like, I'm, I'm leaving. But like, I, I, like, why? Like, why I, do you want to look? Yeah, um, it, it's it's a fucking man thing, dude. I I was okay. I was gonna say that. Yeah, like, <laughs> like it's it's such that it, like this was such a man answer. It's just like, well, like, like I I'm I'm not saying I don't believe you, but I need to see it for myself to like make sure you know. Yeah, like it might not be that big of a deal. Yeah, kind of thing when it's just like if so if someone even if it wasn't like uh someone close to me if someone was just that scared and they needed to leave i'd be like let's go <laughs> like yeah i don't need to see what you saw like let's get out of here let's let's get out yeah yes. you're totally right i think that would have been a good move to make i it i also think it leaves room to to be suspicious of keith still right it's like yeah. he's up to something why does he want her to stay so bad why does he want to go down there and have her wait. And then he explains, you know, just in case the, the door closes and 
uh, you hear the fear in his voice too, but like, oh man, it's, it's, it's so conflicting. Um, even watching it a second time, I'm like, why, why did you want to go down there? Maybe he yeah. wanted to be a big macho man though. To impress her or Maybe. have her feel protected. Because you could tell they like each other. Right, yeah. Uh, but I don't know. Because he even tells her not to leave. Yeah, and that's... And I, yeah, I would think this person's freaking out. I'd be like, okay, let's get out of here. Yeah. Let's, but, you know, let's get you to a place where you feel safer and let's talk about it. I, I guess and I... maybe we can go back later. Yeah, right? well, I mean, yeah. I, I, I could... I could kind of see the perspective. He's like, let me take a look to see what you looked at to see what we're dealing with here. Right. Because um, now I'm wondering, shit, would I, would I be like, let me go look? Or I, I guess it depends. I guess it yeah, really, it, really it, depends. It, it depends. Yeah. He tries to stop her as she tr- um, tries getting past him. He apologizes for seeming like he's not taking this seriously. But sh- um, since he didn't see it, he can't run away from some from nothing yeah without a word she walks past him he stops her again apologizing that he just wants to see it understanding if she doesn't want to go back down there she mutters that she isn't going back down there (laughs) he understands wanting her to wait up there in case he gets locked in locked inside she tells him that she'll wait um he gives her um uh, he gives her a time limit of 30 seconds as he goes downstairs a lot longer than that she waits for him at the top of the stairs calling out to him asking if he, uh, if he sees it he tells her that he does um, and she wants him to come back Keith doesn't answer as Tess continues yelling for him that um, the door begins creaking shut she runs upstairs to catch it throwing the keys on the table she grabs a chair to hold the door open um, going back down there yelling yelling for Keith she pulls out her cell phone for the flashlight walking down the hallway into the room but Keith isn't inside she un- she checks underneath the bed but no one is there confused on where he might be she leaves out of the room noticing another secret door she opens it <laughs> oh hell no up to another set of stairs with heavy breaths she calls out to Keith twice he faintly yells out her name for her to help him she yells for him to come back up uh come back up there as he pleads for her to help him i'm like bruh i'm calling the cops i know like like i get it you need help now but you put yourself in that situation you want to come down there i'm calling the cops but again like she's a character that good fucking person yeah that's (laughs) what it is and sadly good person sadly i feel like people will get agitated with her because she's trying she's to do the right a, thing exactly she's just a good person and like and that that's that's literally all her character is is yeah. that like she's not just nice um because i wouldn't say she's nice um but she's a good person yeah you, you you don't have to be nice to be a good person exactly yeah like you can be kind Sure, yeah. but kindness and niceness are two different things. Yes. Um, Tess looks back at the basement before he pleads again. She decides to he- um, to head down the dark staircase, screaming his name behind tears. Oh, this was fucking scary. Coming across a half-opened gate, Keith Ugh. continues screaming for help. She continues further, whimpering as she comes across dog cages, oh. screaming for him to answer her as she continues into the dark hallway with her cell phone as the only source of light. At this point in time, though, I still think Keith is fucking with her. I So the first time I watched it, I also thought that too. Yeah. And, and, and oh, man, it, I remember watching this and thinking... He's up to something. This seems so odd the way he's like, help. Right. Help, help me. me. Tess. Yeah. And 
And oh yeah, but at the same time, I I question like, what if though? What if he does need help? Oh, this movie is so well done. Yeah, Keith comes crawling from the darkness, startling her. She drops down, questioning why he came down there, and as he shushes her, whispering that someone else is down there, and they and they bit him. Looking like Pennywise. I know for real. His eyes were all like, yeah. I was like, oh god. (laughs) She yells that they need to go, wanting to go back where they came. He tells her no because that's where that's where they were they argue they argue on which way to go yelling that he's not going back there a tall spindly naked woman comes screaming and charging toward them smashing Keith's head repeatedly into the wall screeching at Tess as she stands in front of her fucking fuck this scene is so gnarly and Tess is just staring and the way they got this shot done because you're just looking at Keith's head being smashed in over and over. And it's following it. Yeah. It's not like, like, it's just like, it's like we're getting smashed with him. Oh, yeah, man. It's it's gory. And, it's but, so like, brutal. It it works. It works, yeah. It works it really well. It works. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. Cue the upbeat music in California Coast with a new character into the mix named AJ. He's singing along with Ricky Ticky Tavi by Donovan before re- receiving a phone call from his agents, David and Melissa, for a show that he's on. David, by the way, is played by uh, Craig Zegger. Oh. Or Zach Kreger. Um, Zach. Zach. Yeah, yeah, Zach Kreger. I don't know why I want to call him Craig. I think it's the C, the Kreger and Craig. I yeah. think that's what's going on yeah. with my brain. I was going to say that too. Um, uh, I thought that was very interesting. And Melissa is uh, played by Kate Bosworth. Oh. Yeah. Thought that was also very fascinating. Um, David and Melissa uh, want to discuss something with him about something that uh, came up. AJ is still upbeat as Melissa tells him about uh, a troubling development. His tone has changed as he asks what the situation is about. She continues with his co-star, Megan Maddox, who um, has contacted the network through her lawyer, accusing him of being sexually aggressive during the filming of the pilot, adding that she doesn't want to be involved um, if he is. He's shocked as Melissa continues that the network has taken this very seriously. He asks about what that means. She tells um, she is about to tell him that they are going to start an investigation, but he doesn't care about any of that. Asking about the pilot, wondering if they are um, if they aren't picked up anymore. She repeats that that they are going to conduct an investigation and decide how to proceed. David cuts in, letting him know that most likely the most likely outcome, even if the show goes forward, he most likely will not be involved. AJ yells about being fired calling Megan a quote-unquote fucking bitch. He, he chuckles that uh, this is totally blown out of proportion. Melissa cutting him off that this is best that it is best for him to not go into details on this call. He yells at Melissa, asking her about what she means. David tells him to calm down and relax as AJ yells about the whole situation. David is trying to calm him down as Melissa tells David that they should tell, they should tell him the other thing. David uh, doesn't want to tell him, but AJ wants to know about the other thing. Melissa blurts out that there's going to be a story in the Hollywood Reporter claiming that then um, that uh, the allegations are serious. He questions about what she is saying um, that he did, wondering if she's claiming that she uh, was raped by him. David tries um, calming him down again, but he yells that he wants to know what she's saying. Melissa finally tells him uh, that Megan is saying that he raped her. AJ goes silent, wanting to call them back as he pulls over staring at the ocean. What an introduction to this new character. That yeah, that's a really big introduction. 
Um, you know, it's a very person to play this though. Yeah. Justin Long. Long. <laughs> uh, love that guy in movies. You know, this is a very, very serious topic. Um, I think there was some dark humor in the way it's presented. Like, oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's a touchy subject to talk about how this is presented because I think there's some comedic aspects, right? This, this topic of, of what they're discussing is not comedic, but I think the, his reaction not only that but like david repeatedly saying you got to calm down right right, right. just calm down calm down down. and like 10 times right yeah um or i think they're also kind of trying to make dark comedy out of things like the network is taking this very seriously right? right and it's 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 lingo that is uh repeatedly used in situations like this especially when you're dealing with those in tv and film and um yeah, because uh, I think it's, again, it's a very serious topic, but I think in here they're really diving into like council culture and right and all this stuff. But um, yeah, th- this whole moment is a bit of a satire. And, yeah. and it, it's definitely played as a satire because it, it does nothing to our story. Exactly. Like it just, it's, it's our gateway to get him to get to Michigan. Well, yes. And I also think it's, it's trying to create a lens to compare our assumptions of AJ and right. what he, what kind of person he was. Because he's the same person as the father. Yes. Well, almost, right? Because it, it, like, the reason why I say this is because, like, rape is rape. Yes. Right? Like, 100%. No, like, like no, no matter how you go about doing it, whether it's with corrosion or, um, um, or not force or whatever, um, you know, he doesn't see himself as a rapist. Exactly. And um, but neither, is did, neither the, did the dad, Frank. Did he? Wait. Frank, Frank did not consider him. Like I, like, I pictured it as he didn't consider himself as a rapist. He considered himself doing this thing that was probably a fixation for himself. Interesting. Um, and I never thought about what, like, what Frank thinks. Right. Like, yeah. Frank got off on it. Right? Yeah. But, like, I, I don't think Frank officially, like, was just like, yeah, I'm a rapist. Like, you know, it, it's just, he knows well, what he's doing is wrong, but it's such an interesting correlation when AJ sees these tapes and he's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And and you see the, the whole concept of AJ was just like, well, I didn't tell her to like, come here, I'm going to rape you or, or whatever, you know? Um, and it's interesting. interesting. <sighs> yeah. It's interesting. It, it, we, I feel like we can go into such a deep conversation. We, we really about truly this could. That we probably can't get into on this episode. But I do think you're right. Like, no matter what, rape is rape. And right. that's terrible and exactly. truly, truly, truly awful. I think this m- film is trying to compare Keith to AJ or Keith, AJ, and Frank. Right. I think Frank is by far. A much more horrible person. Yeah, Frank is abducting people, um, yeah, enslaving hold, yeah, them, holding them hostage, forcing them to make babies. Yeah, and then having babies with babies, and right. like right, because um, yes, AJ, from what we're given from all the context of this movie, is a shitty, terrible person. Yeah. From what we're from the information that we're provided, right? I don't think us as viewers can definitively say what did or did not happen. Right. Um. But yes, I think it's trying to show all the shades of gray in between, right? If on one end of the spectrum, you have Keith 
And on the other end, you have Frank. And then AJ AJ is somewhere in the middle. middle. Yeah. Fair. Cut to AJ meeting with his financial advisor, Jeff, wanting to know what he anticipates his legal expenses are going to be. AJ explains that he spoke with his lawyer and they are um, looking at two separate cases, the defense of the charge in, in a countersuit for defamation, one where AJ feels is 100% not true, while the other is um, going to be a 100% win. Jeff asks how much. AJ answers $70,000 each, wondering where that places him. Jeff explains that he will be at zero in three months, <laughs> adding um, that he has some some income coming in from Michigan, but his mortgage in California is him. AJ questions if he has to sell his house. Jeff corrects him that he's going to have to make some tough choices. AJ thinks about selling the Michigan properties, thinking that some some of those will make some money. Jeff explains that he'll be able to buy himself some time, adding that to uh, adding that at the end of the week, he's going to give him his files back. AJ doesn't understand what that means. He's like, cool, what does that mean? <laughs> he suggests that AJ finds an alternate wealth management. AJ arrives to Michigan, checking the Hollywood Reporter article about um, sexual misconduct and his pilot not moving forward. He's pissed as he looks for his rental car in the parking lot, calling his lawyer, Robert. He asks Robert if he saw the article, calling it insane, telling him to hold on as he puts him on speaker because he's getting into a rental car. He thinks he is um, he can nip this whole thing if if he can have a conversation with Megan. Robert advises him against contacting her, letting him know that any communication with her will just make things worse. But uh, Before bringing up the fact that he's inside of a rental, AJ shares that he's in Detroit and he rented a car. Robert shares um, shares that this wasn't that he wasn't supposed to leave the state. AJ not understanding why he can't travel since he's not under arrest, but his lawyer um, needed him there in case of any developments. AJ wonders if he's going to be arrested. Robert finding that to be a possibility and him leaving the state doesn't look good. He tells Robert that he's uh, he's there so he can scrap up some money or scrape up some money to pay him. And that was... Fuck. Yeah. That was wild. <laughs> that was wild. I was like... Oh, God. Got to him um, going to pick up his keys from his housing managers. He pulls up to the house, Tess, um, Tess's car still parked out front. He gets out of the car, looking inside the car, mouthing, fuck, before heading inside the house. Turning on the lights and noticing that the house was recently occupied and the basement door is propped open with a chair. He takes the chair and kicks the door closed. While using the bathroom, he notices Keith toiletries in the bathroom. He continues checking around the house, annoyed that his house is in shambles from the previous occupants he calls he calls out to anyone that may be inside the house but receives no answer aj calls bonnie she doesn't uh, recognize him right away he asks if someone is staying at his place she doesn't think so he shares that there's a suitcase and all their clothes and knowing that someone is staying there she explains that they haven't rented it out in a couple of weeks gives us a nice span of time right there so that poor woman has been in there for two weeks (sighs) and no one's looking for her like, you know what I'm like, so like God up. damn it. Yeah. He questions uh, when the last tenant's checked out, wondering if he has squatters, not understanding why um, why nobody has come to clean up the house. Bonnie explains that the house cleaning service preps the house before any new tenants come. After many um, spouts of anger, angry profanity, she's had enough and she hangs up on him. <laughs> she's like, okay, I got to go. Yeah. Like, like uh, fuck also you. Also like customer service satire right oh, there. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, this was all super interesting, but we'll, we'll get there in a moment. Like there's a, there's a, there's a few things I want to get to first before we really start 
talking about AJ in this house. While speaking to his mom, he's washing his face. She complains that uh, she can't hear him, and it sounds like he's in a race car, which is funny because he was in a super fast car when he was <laughs> on the phone with his managers. Um, as he stops washing his face, she tells him that she doesn't know what what to tell people. He suggested <laughs> he suggests that she tells them um, that she's a lying fucking bitch. Wow. Uh, she doesn't want want him to talk like that because it isn't nice. He blames her for ruining his career, feeling like he's he's in the right to call her whatever he wants. She sides with him, knowing that he didn't do any of the things that are alleged. She asks, she asks about him coming home because her and his dad um, would like to see him. He stops flossing, wanting to confirm his dad wanting to actually see him. She reveals that he didn't actually say that, but and that he's upset. AJ receives another call, claiming that it's important as he has to go. She quickly yells that she loves him, but he cuts he uh, cuts it off by hanging up to accept the, the other phone call with his in-town friend, greeting him with a homophobic slur. Wow. <laughs> we'll get there. Uh, cut to him at the, at the club with his friend asking him what actually happened. AJ is hesitant for a moment, but claims to be quote-unquote real with him, admitting that they did have sex. Um, adding that she took some some convincing... His friend wanting elaboration on if if she said no and stop, he admits that at first she did say that, trying to make light of the situation that he wasn't saying that he wasn't saying that he was going to rape her, thinking that uh, he's per- a persistent guy, and she was down after they fooled around more. Back at the house, he drunkenly calls Megan. She doesn't answer and leaves a voicemail, apologizing for possibly offending her, adding more fuel to the fire, continuing that um, that people can have different versions of the same thing, claiming that she's he's not mad at her about it, hoping that she isn't mad at him. He has a whimper in his voice as he wants her to call him back so he can apologize to her again. Next morning, he groans awake before vomiting in the toilet. After catching his breath, he notices the toothbrush on the floor, that cueing him to sleuth in Keith's and Tess's belongings. Finding a copy of Jane Eyre inside of Keith's suitcase, dude was a fucking saint. Jane Eyre, yeah, in his suitcase. Like, come on. Well, was was that Tess's or Keith's? That suitcase? was Keith's. Oh, I always thought that was Tess's. No, I think that was Keith's because it was men's clothing. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> he continues going through Tessa's things, finding her laptop, um, and officially finding her name that's on the computer. He tries a password, but it obviously doesn't work, and he perfectly tosses it on <laughs> the, onto a dresser. Um, after his brief sleuthing, he makes a cup of coffee, finding a car-, car keys in the bowl. He leans over in his chair, noticing the door to the basement. AJ opens the door, call- um, calling out to the dark staircase. No answer. He tries for the light, but it won't come on. He calls out again, and he's met with a loud thud, using his big boy voice, claiming that he has a gun, threatening to open fire in thirty seconds if they don't if they don't come up. Still no answer. He repeats that he's not fucking around, wanting to know who's down there. AJ goes to put put on his shoes and some clothes, pumping himself up to, um, that he's a fucking man who will <laughs> fuck them up for squatting at his house. He goes into the kitchen, grabbing a steak knife from the utensils cup, nervously calling out um, that it is it is their last chance. Before pumping himself up to go downstairs, he cautiously scales the stairs, noticing the makeshift lighting source from Tess. A noise from behind the wall causes him to look um, behind his back, noticing the rope inside the wall. Confused, he pulls it and the door opens up to a passage. He goes down into the hallway, coming across the room. A quick jump to him, going to his computer, searching, quote, can underground rooms be listed as square footage when selling a home? (laughs) First results um, says that you can't. He continues searching, accepting, quote, 
quote unquote, usually as a beacon of hope, finding out that um, he can list it separately on the listing. Oh, hell yeah, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> this is so comedic, but it says so much about it AJ's says character. So much about his character. That's why I wanted to finish this yeah, because now we're officially at his character. Yeah. This is AJ. Yeah. 100%. It's, this is who we're dealing with. He thinks with. about himself. He thinks about his own self-gain. He's right. not considerate of others. No. Completely um, inconsiderate asshole. And uh, Not only that, but ignorant. Very. Yeah. Very ignorant. Um, it, 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 it's, it's very telling yes. on like, his character and things like that. And, and, and it was funny because it's like, Justin Long plays this a little bit too well. But, <laughs> like, <laughs> um, but it's interesting because we have his character being like this and inside this house. Um, it feels very lighthearted. Yes, it does. As as fucked up as his situation is as well, and the things that he's done and the person he is, it still feels lighthearted, like a comedy, right? Like like exactly. like a pure film comedy. And this is where I feel like the movie confused a lot of people and it was extremely divisive. Like we have a slack inside of my um the company I work for, and we have like a horror horror movies channel. And I recommended Barbarian to a lot of people and they were a few people watching. They were like, like who recommended Barbarian? Cause that movie was terrible. And, oh no. And I was just like, I recommended it. And like another person was like, it wasn't scary and blah, blah, blah. I was like, well, what? being scared is subjective. It first is. of all, like what that I did. I, and I even said, I was like, I think most horror films aren't scary yeah. yet. That, that doesn't take me away from like enjoying the experience. Um, but they're like, I just thought it was too funny. I was like, well, horror comedies are a thing. They're like, well, it wasn't marketed as one. I was like, it was marketed as a rom com. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, no, and I was like, I was like, true, but that's the fun of it. Like, yeah. you know, like you and, don't need to know everything going into it, right? And they they ended the conversation with me by saying, and, and I worked with this person, uh, but they ended the conversation with me. They're like, you you probably are one of those people who liked Malignant. And I was like, I did, like, <laughs> like. <laughs> but yeah like this is where the movie got divisive for people like they said the movie um felt disjointed in certain situations but i thought this was was really genius to tell the teleparts are different acts yeah i think that plays to this movie's strength that it is absolutely disjointed in these acts um because it really creates a gap between how long Tess has been in there. It creates yeah. context of why AJ's character is here. Right. Right. And also it it creates this dynamic of comparison between these three white men in the movie. Um, I agree. So I I think this is a perfect horror movie, but you know, it seems I like, agree as well. Like, I, it I, sounds like others may not think that. Yeah. As, I, I think this movie was 100% this one. And there are only like two movies that came out last year that truly were unexpected for me. This and Nope. Yeah. Like these were the only two movies where I was just like, I didn't see any of this shit coming. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's wild. Yeah. Like it's wild. Like not to, not to downplay all the other movies. Cause the, obviously this was my number three. Nope was my number two. Um, but the menu was my number one, but oh, I kind of wow. expected what was going to happen to me. I love that movie. I just recently watched it like a month ago. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh man. That movie's so fucking great. <laughs> I, mean, dude, I love that I'll movie. say this. Maybe we could talk about it like, um, some other time, but yeah, we'll, we'll probably cover it eventually. I'm, I'm sure we will. Um, I think that movie was extremely entertaining, but if you were to ask me, and I, 
let me let me preface this. I know there is a message that's being shared, of course, yeah. but if you were to ask me to recommend this to like a friend and tell you what the point is, I I wouldn't be able to tell you what the point is. Sure. Although I know what they're trying to speak on, right? But I think it is a very entertaining movie. Yeah. Would I watch it again? Yeah, I'd watch it's, it again. It's a gorgeous movie to look at too. Like it, yeah. it's very beautifully shot, and the the score in there is amazing. But it's a folk horror film. Yeah, it plays like one. It yeah. plays like Midsummer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like so, it's, it's it's interesting. I think it's a good movie. Yes, but also I think <laughs> it's uh, we'll talk about it. We can talk about it later. Yeah. yeah, exactly. We'll talk about it later. But yeah, anyway, back down in the basement, knife on his on his side. He takes a measuring tape uh, to check his footage of the excuse me of the hallway in the and sex dungeon question mark. While doing the math, he bumps into the other door. He's stoked as he continues checking the square footage as he goes down the stairs. Dude, so my theater was going wild on this part, dude. Oh like they were God. laughing. Oh yes. Okay, good it, to hear. This was so great, and it shows too how ignorant and self-absorbed and right. Like he, he is, this should be red flags for him, but like same kind of thing with Tess. Yeah. Right. Like like for her, she's like this. No, this is a bad this is a room. bad place, like, and he's like, I can't be in here. He's like pushing the bed to the side, right. sitting on the mattress, and, and he like, like realizes later, like, Ooh. like oh, gross. <laughs> it's like wow. I mean, the thing is, there are people that are like just this. that ignorant, yes, or self centered, and and that feel safe in a very unsafe environment. Well, they have privileges of always being safe, right? right? And so they don't need to. We've talked about this before. We're like. um being lower class can always put you on guard to right, have yeah. to like be ready to defend yourself. And those, it, 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 it plays like what you're saying plays to like those stupid fucking YouTube videos that were super popular in like 2015 or whatever, when these kids would go and prank black people in the hood. Yeah. And it's just like, like it's a prank. It's a prank. You could die from yeah. a prank. You can get hurt from yeah. a prank. Like, like I don't care if it's a prank. You yeah. don't do that. Yeah. Like this well, is not the place to do that because these are are people living in this area who are have to be on edge and yep. who have to like fight yep. for their life sometimes. Like, fuck out of here. I agree. So no, you're you're absolutely right. Finding the other hallway as he continues being stoked about it, calling out and wondering if anyone is there, no answer. So he continues his exciting measuring fest. Finally coming across another room with a TV playing, he calls out but doesn't receive an answer. Calling out to the room where the TV is playing a, a nursing video, um, which is Sarah Paxton. That's her voice. Oh, really? Yeah, you know who Sarah Paxton is? No. She's uh, very much has played in many, many Disney Channel original movies. Really? Um, yes. Look her up right now. I'm going you, to. As soon as you see her, you'll be like, oh. You said Sarah Paxton. Sarah Paxton, P-A-X-T-O-N. He stands out from the st- um, back from the stench before being startled by the measuring tape being rapidly pulled away from him. It rips from his hand and now comes back to um, the nerves of him shouting, quote, hey, who's there, end quote, while shaking and fumbling the knife from his hand, pointing the light at the end of the hall for a moment before hearing a sucking noise. He begins sprinting the other direction, dropping his flashlight. It goes out, he picks it up, banging on it to come back on. The light flashing as he points down the hallway as the lanky naked woman comes toward him. He gets up and starts sprinting again, falling into a hole in the ground. His arm is bleeding and the gate overhead slams shut above him. Tess emerges, shushing him. Did you find her? I did. I think she was after my time. 
Really? Yeah. I she think, doesn't look familiar to you? She looks familiar, but I, I don't think I really watch any of like the Disney Channel content that she was in. Did you look up any of the movies that she was in? I saw Halloween Town came up. Yeah, she think, she was in the last Halloween Town. I don't think I've seen the last one. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah she I, she took over... I think the, she was in Wizards as well. I didn't watch pro- Wizards. Probably, yeah. She took over Marnie. Um, oh, whoa. Yeah, she was the one who took over from Marnie. She was in Aquamarine. Didn't watch um, that. Only movie that I truly, like, 100% remember her in um, was The House on the Left, um, which is one of my favorite Wes Craven remakes. But, wow. yeah, also a very brutal movie. But anyway, cut to the house in pa- in, in past as owner, uh, uh, excuse me, cut to the house in the past as the homeowner, Frank, leaves out of the house in the, uh, um, in the sunny and once lively neighborhood. He gets into his car, the radio news star- um, stating that the Reagan administration was inherited in the worst economy in 50 years. <laughs> this was interesting to me because... Um, this looked like it was like the 1950s. Yes, it did. Until I, they said Reagan. I'm like, Reagan? Yeah, I think it was 82. It was, yeah, it was 82. Um, and I was just like, this looks so much older. Like, everyone seems like they're dressed for the 50s. Like, this doesn't feel like the 80s that we're used to. And this might be a pop culture thing, because obviously I wasn't born in the 80s. I don't think you were either, right? No, 92. Um, yeah, so like, for for us, like, the from what we see from pop culture from the 80s like it wasn't this i think it's showing how late this this area this area is, grows right? Right. and also back then in the 80s like things moved across the country a lot slower right so there's a big difference between the first half of the 80s to the second half of the 80s yeah um you see a big shift in um so it's clothing much, yeah. music makeup hair um because especially in the Midwest, like they got a lot of that a lot later. Yeah. Um, so I think it's kind of just showing, I guess, how late in in evolving and development this like town is, yeah. this city is. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's a guess though. I that's a guess. Completely yeah. Wrong. Yeah. It, it, I just found it to be interesting because I was just like, none of this is really screaming 80s to me. <laughs> <laughs> it was just it felt it felt so off. Where and I'm just like, this is supposed to be the same time as Stranger Things. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. I'm like, where's the synth music? I, and uh, you know, we're we're seeing older individuals as well, right? They're right. not going to be up with the trends and all that, especially right. in like '81 or '82. Yeah. Um, really quick, Sarah Paxton. I actually do know her from 2001's Hounded on Disney Channel with T.J. Maury. Oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. 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 I remember that one. He calmly drives down the block, waving at his neighbors as he continues, cutting to him, um, cutting to him, uh, calmly shopping in a store. The way this was shot was perffect. I love that it shifted oh to God. a four by three aspect ratio. The lens change, man, it, it was genius. Yeah, I all, agree. all like from the back angle, and then finally shifting to to where he speaks to the clerk. Um, the clerk asking if he if he's finding everything. He bluntly asks for plastic sheets. He like plastic sheets. Um, she shares that they are on aisle seven. He asks. Um, he also asks for diapers. She takes him over to the infant needs, making making small talk, asking him how old his kid is. He comments that they aren't there yet. 
Um, yet the clerk finding finding it to be exciting, wondering if he's going to Mercy Hospital for the birth. He answers as, that he's going to be doing a home birth. She finds the plastic sheets, asking, and she's like, oh, bless your heart. <laughs> she finds the plastic sheets, asking him just if you knew. Um, I know, what, right? he, what else he needs. He doesn't answer. She believes that he um, should have received a list from the midwife. He reveals that it, it, it is just him. She starts gathering diapers, gloves, and a breastfeeding video. Frank takes his groceries and loads them up into the truck um, of his car before hopping inside. He notices a woman fi- um, filling up her truck as well across the street. Um, backing out of her parking, back out of his parking spot, waiting for her to get inside of her car and start driving. As soon as she start begins driving, he matches her speed to follow her. It's so insane. Oh, that's so scary. <laughs> how when you have the context of watching this film and hearing the things that he's saying, it's so fucked. How he's just out in the open, just talking about life. how there's a baby coming at home, it's just me, blah blah blah. And, uh, you know, it's a little, uh, confusing, um, because you have another shift, right? right. The first time you watch this, um, but it, it starts to make sense the more you watch, right? It, it, you're supposed to be kind of, um, left in the dark a little bit right? Uh, and you gather the pieces and put them together. Yeah. Um, but when you go into it, knowing what's, what's happening, my goodness, it's, uh, it's disturbing. Very, yeah, very much so. And it's, 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 it's weird as well because it's just like, with this disturbing nature that's going on, he never got caught. Yeah. And like that to me was like so upsetting. Well, he will get there, but he said he's never leaving this town. And it's right. like he, he is, he's made himself the king of his, this twisted world that he's right. created. Yeah. Of his own, Ugh. of his own land. Yeah. Fucking taking shelter inside of his, underneath his house. Yeah. He watches um, her go inside. He watches her go inside her house, taking his keys out of the ignition and heads back to the trunk. That music shift too was fucking. Yeah. Pulling out a jumpsuit and spitting out his gum, he knocks on her, on her door, claiming that he's with uh, DWP, which I think stands for Detroit Water and Power. Um, I don't know, I might be making that Good up. But that sounds like it makes sense to me. I didn't look it up, but whatever. Um, and they ha- have allergies in their neighborhood. Um, him just checking to see if anything is up to par. He goes into the, her bathroom, turning on the faucet to unlock her window so she can't hear it. Going back out, letting her know that it's, that uh, it is all that all is good, and to give him a call if she has any issues. Back inside the house, his neighbor Doug greets him. He ch- and, uh, <laughs> hey Frank. Doug, <laughs> he, he shares that there's go, um, that there's going to be a for sale sign in his yard tomorrow, admitting that he hates to do it. But they um, they but if they don't do it now, they won't be able to d- get out at, uh, this time next year, claiming that the neighborhood is going to hell. Frank goes back to his trunk as as Doug asks if he plans on staying. Frank bluntly answers that I ain't going anywhere. Taking his groceries back into his, back into his house, opening his basement door, revealing screams coming from down the stairs. You know, I don't remember hear, hearing those screams the first time I watched it. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah, maybe I missed it, but um, ugh, eerie, that, gross. That, yeah. When I heard the screams, that made my stomach churn. It did, yeah, because I, I, I don't remember hearing it the first time, but when I heard it this time, watching it through, yeah. ugh, yeah. It, just, it, it made my stomach churn because I was just like, fuck, he just like left someone's house knowing to, that he's going to come back to do something yeah. later. And... Like, <sighs> he already has someone. 
and he's already plotting out his next victim. And he has a baby coming as well. Right. With probably with his woman. Yeah. And he's just so disturbing. Cut back to Tess and AJ. Tess bandages his um his arm, um, asking if he if anyone knows that he's there. He yells that they don't, wondering where the fuck they are. She uh doesn't she doesn't know, telling him that he needs to stay calm and not freak out around her. <laughs> she tells her that she he doesn't want to be there. She tells him um to not get upset, um, or the mother would get upset. He doesn't want he doesn't know what she's talking about as she points a finger to her mouth. The mother hovers over them, bringing down a bottle for him to drink out of it. It had like hair and shit on it. Yeah. Oh ugh. my god. And it's like one of those super old bottles. So it's like they look like condoms on top of it. Yeah. <laughs> like, Is that how, how they used to look like? Because I, I was yeah. thinking about like well, how do they get to make it look so nasty? Yeah, that's how they used to look like. Yeah, it was uh, according to my grandma. Like you would have to change them. You just they were like they come in packs, and then you would change it. You would just throw it away and put a new one on. Oh wow! Yeah, Tess demands him to drink. He shakes his head. The mother moves moves it over to Tess as she drinks from it. She, oh. And that's like her breast. <laughs> it's milk. her breast milk. Yeah, yeah. And they obviously Ugh. ain't using the fridge, so that's your war. Oh. <laughs> She brings it back over to AJ, shaking it in front of his face. She tells him to drink, um, telling him that she she wants him to be her baby. She brings the bottle back up, opening the gate and dropping it inside. Both of them breathing heavily as the mother makes Tess hug her as she calls her a baby. This causes him to scream, and she um, starts choking him as she babbles in his face. He screams, oh, God! (laughs) She drags him out of the hole, yelling for Tess to help him, leaving her the flashlight and knife. The mother takes him back into the nursing room, throwing him on the floor. He screams no and tries resisting as she br- as she grabs him back and giving him a boop on the nose. <laughs> this is interesting because in some ways he's getting a taste of his own medicine. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, Tess makes it out of the hole while AJ is continu- continued to be force-fed. She cautiously continues down the hall, coming across the room where AJ is screaming and struggling for help. She turns off the light, part, um, peeking inside as she continues being as he continues being force-fed. Leaving him, um, she continues loudly bumping into the measuring tape that catches the mother's attention. Tess makes a run for it, jetting up the stairs, but the door is locked. She tries kicking kicking the door while pleading for it to open, eventually breaking the glass in the basement to climb out. The homeless man, Andre, helps her out of there, telling her um, that she's free now. She tells him that someone else is in there and they have to help help him. AJ tries regaining his breath as he gets back up and tries to get out of there. Andre reiterates um, that she's safe and she can't go back inside there Um now that she's she's out of there needing to count herself as lucky calling it a bad place but claiming that that she's not the worst thing that's inside there i assume he was talking about frank yeah 100 percent. yeah but man suspenseful man that whole dude segment of running and getting out and andre helping her my goodness this was such a good chasing yes and it was very short-lived but this was like Holy shit. And how she like has her arms stretched out. Oh, and then it goes back, back to the shadows. Ooh. Yeah. Like, oh but God, man, when Andre, yeah, when Andre says that's not even the worst thing in there. I remember the first time I heard that. I was like, what? <laughs> what? I thought it was a family of them. Like Hills have eyes style. I, I thought that as well, but I, I still thought there was like even worse. Right. Yeah. Like, like a what, bigger one. <laughs> I don't even know. Like what could, like one with like 12 legs and, <laughs> 
<laughs> One that just says fee five oh. <laughs> telling her to <laughs> telling her to worry about herself, letting her know that she um stays by the water t- that he stays by the water tower. Trying to bring her over there, she uh tells him to wait and that they have to call the police. He admits that he um that he doesn't have a phone as Tess tells him that uh he will die in there and they need to help him. Andre was straight up like good riddance, like you know what I'm saying. Dude, <laughs> like, she is such a good person. I, she is. Like, wow. Yeah. He questions how she is going to do that, knowing that she's going to come uh, looking for her at night, not wanting her, uh, her to come back and be around there when, when it gets dark. Back inside the tunnels, AJ continues navigating, coming across a bell on the wall with a string attached to it. He follows it down the hall, stopping as as he's started by. The, stopping as he's startled by the mother screaming and grunting on the other end he runs the other direction coming across a door at the end of the hall pointing the light down down the hall as the woman slowly emerges out of the darkness before heading back into the dark he opens the door Oof. meanwhile and this was also like crazy because it's pointed in the dark for a hot minute yeah like it's just like there and you don't see anything yep and then you finally see her slightly come out, and then uh, she goes back when she and realizes she's like that the tiptoeing that he's at the door. near the yeah. light, and then she just stops. She's like, "Not worth it." Yeah, and she like, starts I'm not going, going back. in there. Oh, especially after Andre says she's not the worst thing in there, and to see the fear in the mother, yeah, that's like, "I'm not going over there." Yeah. Oh my goodness, Frank that's is a bad dude. Yeah. <laughs> Frank's yeah. a bad dude. Meanwhile, Tess walks over to the gas station, asking the clerk watching TV if he has a phone. AJ makes it into a room where music where tropical music is playing as he walks over the cans finding the finding the dress for uh from the woman that frank spoke to and is assuming killed um confused before being startled by frank coughing in bed he shines the he shines the light for, uh, from the lamp on him commenting that he's scared the shit out of him two officers pull up on uh pull up to test waiting at the gas station she goes up to the car door the the cop demanding her to take her hand off his door she explains what's going on but he repeats for her to take her hand off the door she's taken back a, a bit b- before abiding he asks Ask if she is um, the one that called them. She answers that she did and that she was held prisoner at a house. He stops her from um, from talking as she gets a call on his walkie about a situation, telling them to uh, give him 10 minutes, then asking her for ID. She asks if he's been listening to what she's saying, repeating that she's been held prisoner, yelling that she doesn't have anything and that she isn't a crackhead, letting them know that uh, there's a man who's in serious danger. This broke my heart. This was hard. It's hard to watch. This even, was hard. even though I knew it was coming the second time. One hundred percent. It is so heartbreaking to see, um, and I, I, it just makes me weep for those that are not taken seriously. Right when they yeah. they seek help, and there are those that are in positions to provide that support and help, and to just be treated like that and be dismissed and seen as quote unquote. Excuse me, lack for a ter- better term, but crazy. Yeah, um, it's devastating to see because, like, let's be real. We know situations like this happen. Oh yeah, for sure. And like, I saw it happen maybe two months ago in front of my house. Yeah, and it was a kid. Yeah, she was she was she was eighteen, and like they got into a she got into a fat argument with her her mom. Cops were called. Her mom dips out, leaves her. And like the cops are just like, there's nothing we can do. You're 18. Yeah. Like you, you have a choice to leave. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I, I, I don't have anywhere to go. Yeah. 
So it's just it's just like, all right, yeah, deuces. Uh, it just sucks seeing the the lack of empathy that I oh, feel like sure. is required for those that are going to be in this position where they're supposed to be there to support people. Oh, one hundred percent. It's it's wild. Yeah. It's wild to even think that. And, and and you know, and and putting myself in both shoes, right? Like in the, in the shoes of the cops as well. Like the area, right? Yeah. You know, the neighborhood that they're in. Like for for her to come up to that car the way in her condition or whatever um for them they're probably just like tell us all the time like you know like we get calls like this all the time of of you know drug addicts or whatever who who say people have kidnapped them and and all this other stuff when reality they're just fucking out of their mind yeah and but like if you're in that role like is your due diligence and your responsibility exactly. to take it serious every single time and see it through to make sure. Right. Because this is a situation where Tess has been captive for weeks and she finally escaped. And, and she's just trying to help someone else. And she's trying, she's to, trying help to help someone, someone else. else. Yes. Like, and that's the fucked up part. Yes. It's just like she Ugh. was out. It's heartbreaking, man. Man. Back with Frank and AJ, uh, Frank coughs as as he points at something. AJ thinks that he wants some um, wants water, grabbing a bottle of liquid from the from the tray and handing it to him, telling him that they are going to get out of there before um, before correcting um, that he's going to get out of there and get help, letting everyone know that uh, what's going on down there, yelling that there's going to be cops swarming this place soon. Frank doesn't answer, but his eyes nervously dart around as AJ continues because he knows he's like that, but he's like fuck. Well, if cops are coming, the fuck is there's no point for me staying here. Yeah, so uh, I'm glad you brought that up because this time around I watched it, uh, and I think Frank just doesn't want to get caught. No, that was it. It's not like I'm ready to go. I feel no. bad about everything I did. He's like, "Fuck, I don't want to go." For they're this. gonna get me, right? Because it, it it seems like he interpreted it as like, "Oh, a swarm." Because that's what AJ says, right? Yeah, a swarm, a swarm is gonna come. But yeah. so Frank is probably. And Frank's been down there for how many decades? He doesn't really understand probably how things function now, but yeah. he's probably just under the assumption like they know they're yeah. going to come get me. Exactly. And I'm just going to put myself out of my misery because I don't want to get caught. It right. doesn't seem like he has any remorse. No, he has zero remorse. And we probably get that from how he probably treats whatever this thing is, right? Yeah. His daughter. I don't even know what to call her. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, but uh, he points for something again. AJ doesn't understand what he wants as he rummages around uh, the stand for something else. Frank continues pointing. AJ decides that he, to just bring over the side table so he can get it himself. He goes to look for his phone while Frank opens the drawer to grab something. Tess brings the cops to the house. She wants them to break inside as the uh, um, as she kicks the door. He demands her to um, to get down from there. She tries to tell him that the mother has killed someone already and could be killing someone right now. He tells her that um, there is nobody in the building, no one being murdered, and the only crime is her breaking the window. She scoffs, wondering what she can say to get them to listen um, to what she's trying to tell them. The other cop calls out um, calls out to him that they have shots fired on Midland. He starts walking back to the to his cruiser, Tess asking if these motherfuckers are leaving. <laughs> he shouts um, that he's had enough with, of her, threatening that she's lucky that they don't take her to jail. They hop in the cruiser. She asks them where they are going as they, as they don't answer her and drive away. She pleads for them not to leave as they continue doing just that. 
AJ, on the other hand, is looking at all of the tapes that Frank has on this shelf, some with names and others with nicknames like, quote, bad nosebleeder, no teeth, and won't stop crying, end quote. Those were the safest ones I could find. Like, because there are some fucked It's disturbing. Up it's disturbing to see the labels, yeah. Um, three more videos on, on top of the TV, one already in the VCR that says gas station redhead. He pushes it in. Tess breaks down into the, uh, breaks, um, excuse me, Tess breaks back into the house by throwing something in the window. She walks into the house, grabbing her keys from the kitchen table. Meanwhile, AJ is crying as he watches the videotape of a woman screaming and being whipped as we could assume because we don't see it, which good move here. Glad we we don't need to see it. We don't need to see it. Like with it, like this was enough. This was enough. This was more than enough context. Like we know how fucked up Frank is. Yeah. Like especially by seeing all the tapes. Even if they would have just said that. Yeah. And we didn't show any of that. That would have been fine. He turns it off, looking back over at Frank, who's rummaging through the drawer. He asks what the fuck is wrong with him while pointing at the TV. Frank pulls out a gun, pointing it at him, causing causing AJ to take a more defensive tone. Tessa, on the other hand, goes to the to her car and starts it up, while Frank puts the gun to his head and pulls the trigger as AJ tries to tell him to stop. Jesus. As Tess backs uh, from the parking spot, the mother runs out of the, out of the house. And you know what's crazy? She doesn't react. Tess doesn't react to this because she she can't hear it. You can't hear shit down there. Yep, that's a crazy thing, right? Like that's you don't hear a wild. gunshot. Like she like no reaction whatsoever because you can't hear anything. That was that was someone's um, complaint on Twitter uh, when this movie came out. They're like, "How did she not hear the gunshot?" I was like. I was like, well, it's underground. I was like, yeah, I was like, like I was like, think about it. It's underground. Think, like those tunnels like keep going. Yeah. Like, they were sprinting down there. Right. Yeah. Like the like like it's underground and on top of that, like Frank probably barricaded the shit out of that place with soundproofing. Like it, it it's no way. <laughs> I mean, even without soundproofing, like we're talking about like a handgun on top of that too. Stone tunnels, right? Yeah. Right. And the distance from the actual house itself um it's no i mean it's way. below a basement right so yeah i yeah, think it's no very way. yeah believable i think that it's you very plausible that. for the for us to not hear a gunshot that far um tess drives the car um into her uh and excuse me uh yes the mother runs out of the house tess drives the car into her pinning her against the house as she screams and pounds on the glass until she slowly loses consciousness she gets out of the car it ah, fuck, i don't think i would have ran her over into the house. I think I would have just driven away. <laughs> well, she wants to help AJ. I know. I know. But like... Because I was going to say I would reverse, have it <laughs> plopped down on the ground and then start driving again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I think I would have driven away, allow her to chase me a little bit. And then maybe like as she's chasing me, figure out a plan to like offset her or something. But... I'm pretty sure that this woman does walk around that neighborhood at night. Yeah, that's what... That's what he said, right? That's yeah. What she comes said. out at night. Yeah, okay. And yeah, I think for a said. while, she would probably was bringing stuff back for Frank. Oh, she had to have been, right? She had to feed him something. Yeah. Um, I assume it was just like dead animals or some shit. Probably. But 
Tess drives the car into, um, oh, excuse me, until she slowly loses consciousness, she gets out of the car, AJ grabs the gun and heads through the, through the halls with his phone um, as his only source of light. Tess heads back into the basement, passing up the room and noticing the dot of light t- um, coming toward her. Not knowing what it is, calling it out um, before AJ shoots her. He runs over to her, apologizing to her as she stares at the TV in shock. He slaps at, he slaps at her face, she wakes back up and he helps her um as she profu- as he profusely apologizes she screams in agony as they both get out of the house he comments about her car being fucked she comments that she's gone he um pulls the gun back out wondering where the mother is she asks about her um his car but the keys are still in the tunnel she tells him that she she tells him that that she knows where she, where to go as they walk over to the water tower. He asks um he asks her how she's holding up as they're walking, as she claims to be okay and thinking thinking that they are might be almost there. Andre calls out to them from beyond the gate, letting them inside his hideout. He can't believe the mother let them out, let them get this far. AJ asks what uh, what she is. Andre responds that she's just some crazy lady that's living in that house. He, AJ doesn't re- understand, asking since when. Andre answers that she's lived there for over forty years and she was born there aj claims that he he owns the house as andre tells him that um that's her daddy's house quickly telling him that he he used uh to bring he used to bring women down there and then started making babies with them and then babies with the babies making a copy of a copy of a copy ending up with something like that commenting that she just she commenting that she got tests really good aj admits that he was the one who did that as she writes it off as being an accident he tells her that it, it doesn't matter and that they need to get, get her help, asking Andre for directions on where to get get her help. He explains that they need to sit sit there and wait, but AJ doesn't want to, um, taking, the blame, taking the blame for it. But it doesn't matter whose fault it is. AJ starts to cry that he hurt somebody and that matters, not knowing if he's a bad person or a good person that did a bad thing, knowing that he uh, can't change what he's done. Knowing, knowing that he know he just needs to fix he needs to fix it that being what he wants to do now this is interesting because we we kind of get a little bit of a moment with AJ it was like oh he might have a change of heart yes and then the next thing happens yes Andre rebuttals that he's not going to help anyone if he gets himself killed claiming that they're safe there knowing that Tess will make it through the night and come come the morning they can get help she questions how he knows them that the mother can't get in there he's shit I've been living in this place more than 15 years and she ain't never coming this mother <laughs> mother brushed through the behind him picking up Andre and ripping off his arm beating the shit out of him with it AJ leaves Tess Yes. This is how you know. Great. Yeah, never mind. Change of heart was bullshit. Yeah. Like once again, he's a fucking actor. And Tess came back to For save him. him. Yep. And he first moments notice fucking books dips. it yeah books it running out of the building as she struggles to follow him he yells that they uh that they can't get over the gate because of the barbed wire the mother screams and he decides to run up the water tower tess continues to struggle shouting for him to wait for her he yells for her to come on as she continues whimpering and struggling to, uh, to the top. She calls out for him to use the gun as the mother is closely behind. He fumbles with the gun, dropping it down on the ground, yelling that they're... Um yelling that there is nowhere to go and she's going to get them, never going to stop. He looks down at her, telling her um, that he he can't uh, he can get away, but she's going to have to slow her down. Grabbing Tess by the hair. Yeah. And yelling for the mother to come get her baby. 
throwing her over the edge of the water tower. The mother then swan dives after her, which was also had my uh, theater in an uproar. Um, (laughs) AJ left on the tower smiling and shit, looking over the edge and seeing them both laid out on each other. He goes down there, grabbing the gun off the ground and checking on them. Tess moves and bre- moves and breathes. He grabs her, asking if she's okay, making excuses for what he did, what he did to her, claiming that he didn't have time to think, putting the blame on her that he didn't even let go, and she started to slip. He helps her helps her up as the mother grabs him by the throat and raises him up, then squeezes from his eyes and splits his head open. This was so satisfying. Yeah. Oh my God. She turns around to Tess, babbling for her as she whimpers over the the wound on her side. She tries helping Tess up, but she groans in pain, reaching for the gun. The mother points at the house as Tess whispers that she can't go back. She tries picking up Tess again before she places the gun on her cheek. The mother kisses her fingers and call, um and calling her baby before Tess pulls the trigger, killing her. This was sad. But like, it, yeah, it's like, interesting how you start to feel like for, you the feel mother, for the mother, and, and it's just weird, like, right? Fuck, and it, it. I love that she doesn't know what the gun is. Right, she has yeah, no she reason has to no know what, that, know what is. that is. Yeah. yeah, like she's never seen TV. Yeah, well, she's well, she wa- me, she, she all she has a breastfeeding tape. Right, so yeah. like she's never seen anything besides that. But like, yeah, like she has no recollection of what that thing does. Like for her, what I think she thought it was, she probably thought she was kissing her back. Maybe. Um, but, and and I think at this point it feels like a sad moment because we empathize that like the mother is a victim. 100%. Yeah. And that's, and that's, that's what, how this, how beautiful this movie is. Cause like you don't get into any of that point. Like that's not in your head until this moment. Yes. Because she's a victim. You see the, the intent to love, right? 100%. This mother is weeping over what she thinks is her child that's right. hurt and she just wants to make the pain go away yeah um but just ultimately is a victim okay. and has become what she is because of just terrible 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 circumstances exactly then credits as tess is the only person to walk away from this wild fucking ride damn god damn this movie is so good this movie's fucking good. A perfect horror film. Perfect horror film. <laughs> tell your friends. Just tell your friends. Tell your family. I love this movie. This me too. I was I was really scared to watch it a second time because I was wondering if I was gonna like it feel as strong as I did sure. the first time. And you know what? I do. Yeah, and, and that's fair. Yeah, that's very fair. I think this movie was one of the strongest out of twenty twenty two, and I stand by that. I this movie was great. Wait to see how it's like watching this movie twenty years from now. Oh my god! Yeah, I will be. <laughs> I know I, I fucking will be. I will be watching this 20 years from now. <laughs> but oh my god, let us know what you think about Barbarian because we definitely want to keep this conversation going. You can either let us know over on our Discord or on our Twitter at nightlight underscore pod. Um, and once again, you can even let us know in our Patreon as well as you can join our Patreon for a free seven day trial at the five dollar tier. The next movie that we are going to be um, going with is chosen by our ghoulish knights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we we slimmed it down a little bit on how we do these polls. We used to have four films now at a time. Have. Now we have two, yep. just head to head, bare bones. Way. Let's go for it. Yeah. So we had his house, 
versus Nope. I think we all know. Nope was that. a goddamn yeah. knockout. You know what I'm saying? Like his house got votes though. His house was 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 a decent contender, but Nope was a knockout. It was like 89. percent Yeah, but, but, I'm not surprised. <laughs> so we will be covering Nope next week, which I'm very excited to cover. Me too. I'm very very excited to cover. But this was Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I was one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Night. Alongside me, we had David. Stay spooky, everyone. Always and forever. Also known as Nightly. With your help, you can help us reach more ghoulish nights with your recommendation to someone who would actually enjoy the show. If your podcast app allows you to rate our show, consider giving us a five-star rating, as it does help us out a ton. For extra horror-related content, head over to patreon.com slash nightlightpod. That's night with a what? Okay. And remember, everybody, don't forget your nightlight.